Brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network. Found exclusively at WrestlingWithJonas.com. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Wrestling with Jonas, episode 238, part of the Jonas uh, Podcasting Network, of course. Got an awesome guest with us, uh, live on a Monday evening uh, with none other than the current OTT world champion, the current TNT Extreme Ultra X champion, Mr. Mark Haskins. Mark, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Doing very well. I've uh, been looking forward to this one. It's been a, a much-anticipated episode, a much-anticipated guest. And I want to say to anybody watching live at home, uh, if you want to get in touch, if you want to drop any questions in for Mark Haskins, do so using your chosen device, and we'll do our very best to answer every single question live on air. Uh, but, Mark, first of all, I've got to congratulate you. Uh, is it about 15, 16 years in the business now that, that you've been pro? Yeah, it's, it's, it's about that. My wrestling career is ready to take its GCSEs. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a while. I had my first match when I was 18 and I'll be 34 in a couple of months. So it's, uh, yeah, it's flown by and it, I very much feel like an old man now. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. You're, you're in the prime of your career, I'm sure. But uh, currently, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, you're the current TNT Extreme Ultra X champion, uh, the, the most recent accolade, the most recent uh, uh, belts that you've uh, picked up along the way in your uh, glorious career. Um, you've got a bit of a history with TNT Extreme up in Liverpool. You were their former world champion, but uh, uh, being their current Ultra X champion, it's, it's a, a new belt for you. What does it mean to you to be their Ultra X champion currently then, Mark? I mean, it's exciting times, you know. Um, it, I was super excited to see where the wrestling scene would be coming back post sort of pandemic and um to go back to a company like tnt that obviously i have a long history with that you know i have a loyalty with to you know to some extent is uh it is great you know it's it's great being back there and seeing everybody and and seeing that they're still going because there's a a lot of companies that folded in the last few years so it's nice to see some old faces still kicking about Absolutely, absolutely. And now they've got um, ties with GCW over in the States. Uh, any temptation there to maybe uh, fly back over to the Atlantic, the other side of the Atlantic, and get involved in some uh, interpromotional matches? And I know that GCW are coming over to TNT. There's going to be some cross-promotional shows in the summer. Um, any interest there from yourself? Man, who knows what the future holds, you know, is, uh, yeah, over the past two years, I've, I've got very much used to being at home. So now traveling, you know, for, for hours <laughs> at a time feels like a real, real lake, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it comes with the territory, doesn't it? So, um, yeah. But, you know, like I said, who knows where the future will take me and, you know, maybe I'll end up going to America at some point again, maybe not. There we go. And OTT, um, a huge accomplishment becoming their world champion in, I think it was their first show back, wasn't it, July last yeah. year? Um, a great accomplishment. You, you've been their champion for 280 plus days now. Um, wow. And you, you've kind of fought off all their top contenders, all their top challengers. Um, but once again, being part of that promotion, that they really do seem to be taking it to the next level as far as independent wrestling is concerned. Um, and, and once again, similar question, being their world champion, that must mean an awful lot to you. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, I've worked for OTT since what 2017, so it's a good handful of years now, and I've seen them go from strength to strength. They've continued to grow, they've continued to evolve, and you know, being their representative, being their main mm. guy now, is you know, is a great honor for me. Um, I love the Irish fans as well. They're just you know, they're a bunch of crazy, crazy bastards. So yes. it's, it's great again to to go out there and perform for them again. And um, yeah, it, it was mad, you know, for, for what was it like a year and a half, two years that we were in the pandemic, you know, yeah. um, you know, going from absolutely nothing and then first match back win two championships. And it's uh, yeah, it, it was uh, a bit of a switching gears, shall we say. And and since then, you know, I've managed to wrestle a lot of guys that I haven't had the, the opportunity to wrestle before. You know, I got to wrestle Rocky Romero, who's, uh, you know, arguably one of the best wrestlers of this generation. Um, you know, uh, guys like Al J. Cleary, who I think that within the next few years is really going to stamp their name out there in on, you know, the independent wrestling scene. And, uh, you know, who knows, hopefully even a bigger scene is still yet to come for him. You know, um, I think that there's a lot of talent there that, you know, don't necessarily have the, the, the sort of the drawing power that, you know, that they once had, but I think that it's in a state of rebuild. And I think that in a very short space of time, you're going to realize just the caliber of talent that they have, uh, yeah, uh, performing for them. And that you're really going to realize that and see a lot of new stars be born. Absolutely. And uh, Helen Flood's been in touch, uh, watching via YouTube. So thank you, Helen, saying uh, we love you too. Uh, so that that's uh, pretty awesome. And i got to say, OTT, they do the best hype videos in the business, don't they? You know what? Sean Ryan is phenomenal. Amazing. You know? Amazing. One of my goals is, is that I want to be rich enough that I can just pay him to film every day of my life. And yeah. How cool would that be? <laughs> yeah, he's I don't know what kind of you know uh yeah witchcraft he uses, but he he manages to take, you know, um somebody like me and make me seem, you know, uh fantastic. So, you know, <laughs> he's uh he's a very talented man and um yeah, you know, he was uh, he was working for WWE for a while, and uh, they let him go. And I think that WWE's loss is seriously whoever picks him up. And at the moment, this OTT is a huge, huge gain for them. Uh, yeah, just an absolute phenomenal talent. Absolutely. We we mentioned, or you mentioned briefly earlier about you know lockdown being out of action for for sixteen, seventeen year and a half, let's say. Um, but but what was your mindset like? when you did come back, I know you had some sporadic, uh, no fans shows for Rev Pro and maybe one for ROH over in the States. But when you came back, say for OTT, you won two championships, their first show back. What was your kind of your, your mindset and where was your kind of general uh, kind of head at before you went well, through them curtains on the day? During the pandemic, you know, I went down a lot of rabbit holes and mm. I feel that like I reached a very different state of consciousness. Um, through just you know manipulating my surroundings you know finding challenges that i otherwise wouldn't have have ever really have like uh, approached because i didn't have the time or the opportunity to do so you know um i i discovered uh one of my now idols a guy called david goggins who um if anybody knows of him knows that this guy's just you know arguably one of the baddest motherfuckers that's ever lived you know he he held a world record of uh, the most amount of pull-ups in a 24-hour period he's a former u.s navy seal and i took on one of his challenges which was running four miles every four hours for 48 hours straight and, um, I, you know, I did a lot of things like this, like, you know, um, there was times where if it was raining, 
uh, if there was a storm, you know, I live in Malvern, like I literally live on the edge of a hill. So I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to put a weight vest on and I'm going to run through the rain. So I'd run eight kilometers through the rain. Every five minutes I would stop and I'd do 50 reps of an exercise and uh, 10 burpees. And, you know, you're out there for, for hours on end. But then, you know, there was there was part of that process that really changed my mindset in regards to everything, because you had so many reasons why you could give an excuse. You had so many reasons why you can just quit. And there's nobody around, like no Nobody, there's no other mad fuckers up there walking through the rain, let alone running for it with a weight vest on, right? Like, yeah. and you know, in all of these moments away from any kind of spotlight, away from anybody watching you, you find out who you are. Do you know what I mean? Like you find out this different level of yourself. Like you could just go and sit on a bench and eat ice cream and tell everybody that you did it. But instead, when you continue and when there's points that you can't physically run and you, you know, you but you just keep plow, um, you know, plodding forward and you just sure. keep doing your best in every moment that you can you know you feel like you reach this whole new realm you know and um you know the past few years i mean this is just one of so many different rabbit holes like i said that i've been down and so many different um challenges that i've taken on and you know coming back from the pandemic i was like look you know ring of honor have taken care of me right you know ring Indeed. of honor looked after me and coming back from uh, the pandemic, I felt like there was a responsibility there that, you know, on, on the independent circuit that, you know, I've uh, for years, like it's all integrity has always been important to me. Do you know, like I've always yeah. tried to do the best I can in every situation. And I've always held myself to a high level of, of integrity of being the best person that I could be. Right. And this generation, this generation now that are coming through, they need people that are responsible. They need people who are going to step up, who are going to take the bull by the horns, who are going to help the next guys, you know, the next set of talent, you know, develop and, and so forth. So, you know, coming back from it, I was like, okay, I feel like I've, I've, I'm, you know, I'm not the same person that I was. I've developed. I'm two years down the line now. You know, um, yeah. I knew a lot of people would take their foot off the pedal and that they would, you know, um, get lazy. I knew that a lot of people, you know, would uh, use the time to not do a lot. And I'm like, no, screw that. I'm going to do two years of self-development. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, um, I felt like I changed so, so much in a, such a short space of time. It literally felt like I lived a thousand lives in 18 months. Right. And coming back to wrestling, I was like, this is going to be completely different. Right. The world shut down. Who knows who survived? You know, um, you know, who knows what it's what it's going to be like coming back to wrestling in 2021, you know, and uh, we, we got to, to Belfast on the day. Um, I, I walk through the door and I get told that I'm on first. And they're like, you're literally on in half an hour. Right. Wow. I'm like rushing around trying to get my gear on. I'm like, this shit's exactly the fucking same. Like nothing has changed at all. Do you know what I mean? Like you get to a venue, find out you're on first and you're like, fuck, I need to get ready and figure <laughs> out who I'm wrestling. So, um. Yeah, literally, like, came in, rushed around. I was like, yeah, enough has changed. This is the same. Do you know what I mean? Like, the only thing that's changed is me, I guess. So, uh, yeah, so um, but I had the match. It was with Adam Maxted, and uh, I think he's a guy as well. So kind of strangely enough, I think one of the last matches I had for OTT was against Adam Maxted in Belfast, and then he was the first match that I had back in the same venue. So it was kind of like this weird – it felt like a weird set of bookends. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. it was like, you know, <laughs> the end of one and then the start of another, and, uh, yeah, it was uh, – I guess it was kind of cool, you know, like I, I don't necessarily know if I believe in fate. I don't know if I necessarily believe in things happening for a reason, but there's, there's incidents like that where I feel like I should. 
And, and, and did you kind of reflect during your the, the uh, enforced layoff? Did you reflect on um, how you wanted to be perceived? What sort of character you wanted to come back with? How you wanted to be seen as the, you know the, the, the new updated uh, Mark Haskins in twenty twenty one? I wanted it to seem like the difference between night and day. And I wanted yeah. people like not even to have to ask, but just to know that something had gone on during that time, but they didn't know what, you know, like, um, and coming back from, uh, yeah, coming back from everything, I was, the one thing that kind of kept playing on my mind was, you know, who is Mark Haskins as a 33 year old man? Do you know, like, you know, I've been, I don't know, like my wrestling career has flown by in the blink of an eye, you know, oh, yeah. like I started wrestling when I was 18, you know, I've, I've been through different phases, I've been through different stages, and uh, who is who is this now more mature version of myself, you know, um, I think that, you know, they always say in wrestling always be a, a, an extension of who you are, but what happens when who you are changes, you know, that extension of yourself will also therefore change, you know, um, so yeah, coming back from things, I, I made certain little challenges for myself. Like, you know, I'm such a culprit of having worn black, like such a lot. And I was like, man, like everybody wears black. Like, you know, I want to go and have as many matches as I can and make sure, like make it almost like a challenge of like how many different colors can I wear? There's the picture now, you know, I, I, I've been watching a lot of Kenta Kabashi and Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's why I ended up getting a robe as I was like, I want to be like British Kabashi. The robe you know? is super cool, <laughs> by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, like I said, like I, I came up with a million ideas for different robes and different entrance gear and different colors of gear. And, you know, I, I've never worn blue before in a wrestling capacity. So I was like, that's, you know, the, the, one of the first things I was like, that's going to make it a shift. You know, like I, I went back to, uh, to wearing wrestling boots for a while and then remembered why I didn't wear them anymore. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, the, the soles on them make me feel like I'm on stilts and I, yeah, I just, you know, um, yeah. And I've gone from that to now being barefoot, you know, um, that, that's the other thing is like, I've literally spent the last two years of my life, like every, every day just being barefoot um you know i i heard of something called grounding and if you haven't heard of it then look it up um but yeah like i train barefoot like i'll go for walks barefoot i'll go running barefoot and you know i came back to wrestling and i was like screw it i'm gonna try wrestling barefoot and then suddenly realized i was like you know what i can carry so much less gear around with me when all i have to do is carry kick pads trunks and an elbow pad you know and, and a dope ass rope so, uh, yeah, I've got kind of lazy in some regards because I'm like, I don't want to carry so much gear around with me anymore. Um, but, yeah, you know, like I said, like it, I'm, I'm on that sort of that journey of like self-discovery, I guess, and trying to figure out who, you know, current day me is. Yeah. I, I want to take a deep dive into your, your your wrestling career, how it was started a bit later on. But I want to talk to you about your your online training and being an online coach. Tell us a bit about that, how it all got started, what, what the motivation is behind it and what you want to achieve with it. I love helping people. I love um, I love feeling like I'm of some use to someone. So uh, yeah, I decided. You know what? Screw it. If I, you know, when when I talk to people at wrestling shows, they seem to listen. If I tell somebody like, oh, you know, um, what you did in your match was really cool, they'll they'll stop and they'll ask for advice. So uh, I just figured, you know what? If I if you know people want to hear my opinion, if people want to speak to me, if people want to, you know know what i know then you know reach out and i want you know i feel like uh i'm such a culprit of being a real hermit like away from wrestling like i just disappear to my dark quiet corner of the world and i like being left like alone you know but um mm. 
you know, coming back, I, I felt like, you know, what, I've been a hermit too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, um, and I need to make myself more accessible for those that, that want to reach me. So um, decided to set up my, my online training school um, and putting up videos, you know, things, t- talking about just all the intricacies of pro wrestling, you know, how to do this, how to do that. You know, what's a match structure like, you know, what's the sort of psychology, you know, how to be a heel, how to be a face. You know, I've, I've got plans of how I want to develop it and, and seeing where it wants to go. And, you know, in all reality, I had like zero expectations of of anything, really. You know, I just decided one day I was going to film a video and put it together. And once I did one, I was like, oh, man, like I really enjoyed the process. You know, like I enjoyed, you know, writing out what it was I wanted to do. I enjoyed filming it. And then, you know, um, video editing, which is something that I learned probably about 10 years ago or more now. Um, I haven't done a lot of in recent memory. So I was like, you know, it, it was like going sort of back to your roots in some regards. And um trying something you know trying something again that you you know like reigniting that spark with a a previous passion and enjoyed what i did and you know from there i've just continued to develop to develop it and just continue to you know encourage it to grow and uh yeah i i hope that like i said i hope i'm of some sort of help to somebody uh, along the way Absolutely. And, and I think you're you're referring to certainly the video that I saw in your um, Instagram feed, the, the video for aspiring wrestlers, where you gave good business advice on uh, taking up a physical sport, for example, exercise, understanding branding, uh, understanding accounting, finding the right training school, staying humble. Tell us about that video in particular, because um, why did you think it was important to emphasize some of those points in particular to aspiring wrestlers then, Mark? So I think that a lot of the time when it comes to a problem, right, people uh, or when it comes to something like a dream or a passion, they uh, people tend to overthink and people, you know, don't tend to think of like, okay, how do I break this down part by part? You know, like uh, I feel like wrestling and being a wrestler or, or any kind of career that it's it's a machine. There's so many different clogs to it that turn, you know, and um definitely looking back on on my wrestling career I've, I've been through these different you know phases i've been through different stages and such you know like for for the first year that i started training i started training at 15 <clears throat> now um i was still at school we lived about two hours away from the training center my dad uh, is a preacher for the united church so he would always be in church uh, every sunday and because he and i didn't have the greatest relationship growing up my mom said to him hey i think that you should you know mark wants to be a pro wrestler i think that you should you know make this as sort of more you know guys time and you guys can you know get the chance to bond and and my dad would take me uh in the car down to portsmouth so we um that was really sort of i guess like a step for us to kind of bond and you know start to sort of redevelop our relationship and uh for the first year i could only make it down there say uh once a month um and for the rest of the time i was like okay well i don't want to waste this time like i I still want to add towards it so what can i do and you know um I knew, you know, from such an early age that this is what I wanted to do with my life. So I was very conscious of, okay, you know, dissecting it and looking at it. I'm like, okay, so, you know, uh, doing things like, you know, uh, a promo or an interview, that's important. Okay. There's, there's very much a, a showmanship side of wrestling. So, you know, understanding, okay, well, in that case, I have to do something that kind of encourages that, encourages it and, you know, allows me to play around with different things. So I joined uh, my, my drama group at school. Um, I, you know, ended up in different plays uh, and productions that the school were doing. I took drama for GCSE. It was the only GCSE that I got an A in. Everything else was, 
I think C's or even worse. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you could really tell by my 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 grades what it was I excelled at. Uh, then when I had to get into, you know, I think literally about a week before college started. Um, my careers officer just called me one day out of the blue and said, Hey, I got somebody into a performing arts course. You know, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, Well, currently nothing, <laughs> you know. And uh, she was like, Well, do you want to give it a shot? And I was like, Yeah, screw it. Why not? I've got nothing else on. And then, you know, through that, met so many other, you know, different people and, um, you know, learned a lot as well. You know, I think that, you know, when you do something like theater, you are, there's so many elements that, transcend over into wrestling you know like particularly if you make it to the to the big uh leagues you know that they you know they tell you where that they want you to be positioned you know they want you positioned yeah. a certain way so you're always facing the camera you know um you know th there's so much of that that carries over from um from theater like one thing that i, I learned during the performing arts course was uh, my teacher told me she said look the people that you need to be the mistake that people make is that they're always buddy buddy with the upper actors the people that you need to be friends with are the production crew because they can make or break you, right? Good I was point. one of very few people that, you know, I go out of my way to try and, you know, uh, you know, to build relationships with everybody in regards to shows. Like we were saying, like one of the first people we put over in, in this interview was Sean Ryan, who, you know, deals with all, you know, the videos, the promotion for shows, you know. Um, and there's so many talented people involved with wrestling, or at least there was in, in the pre-pandemic Um era guys like you know jack al and debbie who worked at progress who without them you know they, they literally would be no product you know it, you can have the best product in the world but if there's no way to showcase it to anybody do you know what i mean like what do you yeah. really have so um you know there's like i said like there was so much of it that transcended over and i think that there's so many people that are getting into wrestling that don't even know where to start and it's like okay well look you know the first thing that you need to do if you can't wrestle every weekend or if you you know if you can't get to a training school all the time then work on all the, all the other aspects you know like build your body up you know not everybody has to look like superman but what we do is physical you know there's been so many times that somebody's come into a training center and said i want to be the next ray mysterio and then we're like okay and then a set of push-ups later and the dream is over do you know what i mean they're like oh i didn't realize it would be this physical it's like have you ever watched wrestling before <laughs> you know you're picking people up and throwing them around like you know i think that people hear this term of like wrestling's fake and they think that it's easy and it's like it's not it's one of the most physical things that you can do you know just because you know a steel chair is being swung at your head doesn't mean to say that it hurts any less do you know what sure. i'm saying like you have to know so many different aspects of things you know um and that's why i think that things like you know like I took on rugby. That was another thing that I took on because, you know, I'm, I used to go to British wrestling shows, the old FWA when I was growing up. And uh, one of the wrestlers I, I contacted through that uh, said to me, he was like, look, you know, you have to get used to physicality, go and join a rugby club or, or you know, go and do something like martial arts you know you get used to being thrown around you get used to protecting yourself you know yeah. there's there's certain things in regards to moves um or movement patterns that are very relevant you know um i you know i went to a, a three points martial arts in worcester a, a few months ago um and i was doing some brazilian jiu-jitsu and and straight away they were like oh have you you know ever been before i was like well i've done a bit of bjj and you know i didn't really mention wrestling at all and then you know straight away they were like okay so what have you done because you're not just you know, <laughs> you know like there was so many like you know yeah. aspects of things where i was like okay well this kind of you know this you know some things transcend some things don't you know and of um, course 
Yeah, just like I said, like if I can help anybody, if you know, I'm I'm just trying to give whatever it is that I've learned. You know, like like I said, like I've been doing this what 16 years now. You know, I, I don't want to wrestle forever. You know, within you know a very short space of time. You know, 16 years has flown by. You know, um, I don't know if I'll be doing as much past 40. That's only what six years away or so. So, um, you know, and I, I mean, I guess that's all well and good me saying it now, but, you know, when you get to 39 and you're still loving it, you know, uh, yeah. who, who knows where it goes. So Absolutely. if I can, if I can give back to the business, if I can help people along the way, if I can, you know, help somebody get a, a step further than where they would have got, you know, without my help, then, you know, I'm there to, to help anybody and everybody who, who reaches out and who listens. Absolutely. And we do all the plugs a bit later on, but but just for the purposes of your online training, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they are interested in picking your brains or getting involved with your Go online to training website, courses? Haskins Online Wrestling, which I thought was really clever because it's this is how. <laughs> but um, yeah, I know. I'm probably the only person who appreciates that. But yeah, go to HaskinsOnlineWrestling.com and you can reach me through there. That's awesome. That's awesome. I do need to throw a quick plug to our sponsors, 1310 Apparel Mark, um, who are the excellent sponsors of not only this podcast, Wrestling with Jonas, but the Jonas Podcasting Network. And if you head over to their store at WrestleMert Central, you can see their entire range of apparel, including their hardcore range of T-shirts and hoodies and their lucha range of beanies, hats, T-shirts and hoodies and the more traditional 1310 apparel and four corners uh, shirts and if you head over to their WrestleMert central store you can see the exclusive 1310 Heidi Katrina design there. And as a viewer or a listener to, 13, uh, to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, you can take advantage of our great offer with them. And uh, at checkout, uh, you can save yourself 10% simply by using the discount code 1310WMC. So visit 1310 store at WrestleMate Central. And don't forget to use the discount code 1310WMC to save yourself 10% off at checkout. Mark, got some cool uh, looking stuff, man. I might go to that website now. Well, I'm hundred percent, hundred percent. You've got uh, the, the the Mark Haskin seal of approval, and I'm wearing one of their shirts, so it can't be too bad. But take us all the way back to when pro wrestling first came into your life. You mentioned earlier that you know you started training nice and young, fifteen years of age. But uh, when when did wrestling first come into your your kind of eye holes and change the world forever? So you know what i I've really thought about this, and I think that like. I don't know. I have this really weird theory, right? That like anything that you uh, have in your adult life somewhere stems from a childhood, you know, uh, trauma or like a memory or, or a feeling, right? And I remember there were these two kids that joined my school. They were twins, and uh, we were playing football one day um, after after school, and and one of them got tackled, and he was on the floor, and he was moaning, and uh, I was, you know. Um, I was a real cocky little shit when I was a kid. So I was like, probably I was mocking him and I, you know, cause I just didn't like crybabies that were pretending to be hurt when they clearly weren't. And, uh, you know, I don't even remember him getting up. It was like, he was on the floor and then suddenly he was in my face and he grabbed my hands and he smashed them into my own face. And I just started bleeding everywhere. Right. And of course I went running, crying to my mom and, uh, you know, she came down and it, it was kind of funny because she was, you know, being a protective mom and she was, you know, trying to tell uh, one of them off. But because he was they were identical twins, she was like, right, which one of you? <laughs> and she's like, right, I'm angry at you. Um, and then, you know, months later, uh, so I had a friend, um, one of my childhood best friends uh, was a guy named Andy Cook, right, who uh, he 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 developed a cerebral palsy, I think, around the age of sort of 10. And uh, we'd always sort of 
been going through the same phases at, at the same time. And I think one day he just kind of came around to my house and I somehow acquired a, a wrestling figure from like a car boot sale or something. And he was like, oh, I didn't realize you like wrestling. And I was like, well, I've just seen these toys at my friend's houses and I wanted to start collecting them. So he was like, okay, next time I come around, I'll bring around a videotape. And he brought around a tape of, uh, it was Bad Blood 97. And it was the Hallen, the first Hall in the Cell match with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. Oh, it couldn't and, get any better than that. Yeah, seeing seeing Shawn Michaels, you know, covered in blood, and being the the, the you know the the cocky kid with you know long blonde hair, and then you know, but the fact that he was able to overcome the bigger the bigger boy as such a big scary uh, guy, you know, I think that there was something there where I was like, wow, like this is a world where like you know where I can succeed. Do you know what I mean? And and from there, you know, just uh, it just went from strength to strength. You know. Um, like I said, like uh, my friend Andy, we we, you know, uh, really developed our friendship over uh, pro wrestling, and you know, we would call each other every week and tell each other if we've been to the toy shop and found new wrestling figures. We were like, oh, you need to go; they've got a new series out and what have you. And I didn't have Sky, so we'd always film uh, uh, Raw on a Friday and then bring it around to my house on a on a weekend, and we'd play with wrestling fi- figures for hours, put the you know the VHS on, and that's how old I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the corner you feel my pain right so uh we were you know and uh yeah our, our friendship just continued from there and you know as his condition deteriorated um i uh i always felt like uh it was always our dream to to make it in wrestling together right and we were like you know by the time that we're older maybe there's an operation maybe there's a treatment that will allow him to you know walk again or maybe there's a you know a uh, something that will allow him because his, his speech started to slur that he would be able to be a commentator or a manager or something and when we, we realized that that really wasn't the case you know I think that I kind of took it on a lot more myself where I was like okay well I have to succeed because I'm doing this for both of us you know like he he never asked for anything uh, in, in that regard but I was always I was always like I have to make it somewhere because i have to be able to say hey look you gave me this dream you know we we grew up with this together and i'm you know uh i'm doing this for the both of us you know and uh i think one of the the last times i i saw him was after one of my tours in japan and uh i mean that's going back 10 years or so now and i got a picture of us together and he was really happy i'd made it and then um yeah and then i think a few years later I, i saw him again you know our lives went different ways but he was a huge inspiration to me because he was a you know like i said like he couldn't even reach his hand out in a straight line like it was very mm-hmm. you know delayed and um he no matter how bad his condition got i never once heard him moan i never once heard him complain like he just cracked on and you know he went from strength to strength like he would go skiing on skiing holidays and stuff and i was like okay well if you know if he's capable of doing that i'm capable of doing a set of push-ups do you know what i mean like i you know i gotta go that extra mile to try and keep up with him because he was a you know a huge role model for me and um you know then i think where was it i was at chris travis's funeral when my mum called me to say that my my childhood best friend andy had died so i was like oh shit you know like it yeah i i I don't feel like I ever reached the point that I, I wanted to, to be able to say to him, Hey, look, like, you know, we went the full distance. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, but he, he's always, uh, yeah, he's always on my mind. You know, he's, yeah. you know, I, I always, you know, carry on. I always think of him, you know, every once, uh, you know, Anytime yeah. I'm going through a situation, I always think, hey, look, you know, I've still got an opportunity to be here. I've still got an opportunity to do this. And, and he doesn't, you know, um, so that was pretty much how I got started as being a fan. And then, yeah, like I said, when I turned about 15, 
Um, my parents were, I guess, were expecting me to grow out of wrestling, and then I was like, nope, <laughs> go on the opposite way. We're uh, going for, no for chance, no chance. So, let, let me talk to you about the FWA Academy because I think you kind of uh, alluded to that earlier, but that was where you really started developing um, and kind of learning as a performer. Um, and I think it was with uh, Mark Sloan was uh, the, the chief guy down there, wasn't it? And, uh, I think you you broke in at about the same time as Wade uh, Lion Kid, uh, Joel Redman. I think was there around the same time as well. Thinking back to them early days at the FWA Academy, what, what, what kind of what do you remember? Any fond memories that jump out with you? So when I first started training, I uh, I had a few training sessions with PJ Black because he was uh, a trainee down there, and I remember the first time I ever saw him, there was this notorious blue door. Right, you go through the blue doors, and there's the training center, <clears throat> and we were all waiting for uh, for our trainer to turn up, and and PJ had found a a paint tin in, you know, in the corner of the car park. And he took a little bit and he just, with a brush, just put it underneath the, the handle of the door so you couldn't see it. Cause he knew that like the second that they turned up to open it, that whoever opened it would just get a handful <laughs> of paint. Um, and yeah, I, I remember like any training session we were in, like there, there was used to be this big rafter that went across the room and PJ would do these crazy moves where he'd like springboard off the ropes, swing on the rafter and, you know, hit somebody with a hurricane runner and, you know, just, all this, you know, mad stuff. So it was, it was great during my run with Ring of Honor, getting to catch up with him and you know, um, see him after we, our life, lives had gone separate routes, and you know, he, he ended up having the success that he had. Um, apart from that, it was just, it was, yeah, it felt very much like a dojo. You know, like we we were put through some just really horrendous workouts and just, yeah. Uh, yeah, just stuff that just would knacker you out and it would be so physically, emotionally and mentally draining. And you'd have to find that strength to just kind of just to keep going, you know, like, um, you know, there would be times where we'd have to run for, say, like quarter of a mile with somebody on our back. We would have to do wow. these mad workouts where it would be like six sets of 25 uh, push-ups, squats, burpees, mountain climbers, sit-ups, crunches, or it would be four sets of 50 burpees, push-ups, squats, and sit-ups. And, uh, yeah, I, I still suffer from the PTSD of all of that now. It sounds so, like uh, a Japanese dojo. I don't know about anything you find in the UK. <laughs> yeah, anything anything that had come out of a Rocky movie is yeah. something that you ended up doing. Do you know what I mean? If you had to run up a mountain or, you know, overhead press your family in a, in a, a tractor cart or something, it was very much worked in somehow. Um, so yeah, and, uh, Joel Redman and, uh, yeah, he and I both moved to, to Portsmouth uh, at the same time. So we ended up, um, uh, moving in together and, uh, yeah, for a, for a good while, he, he was like the big brother that I never had. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, it, it's kind of weird how our careers, you know, kind of sort of followed each other in, in a lot of ways, you know, when he got to NXT, I was with TNA, you know, we, we spent time together out in, in Florida and it, it's weird just how sometimes you have people like that, that kind of come into your life that you have those kind of connections and relationships with where, you know, your careers kind of parallel each other, even though you don't necessarily, you know, know each other or, or anything, you know, and it, your paths just seem to sort of intertwine and cross. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think yourself and Joel, Joel uh, like I say, 
went through your first couple of years together, it, it kind of almost intertwined with one another's career and you, you tagged a lot. But uh, I want to take you to, to Germany because fast forward to 2009 and you started touring outside of the UK pretty much for the first time. And it was with uh, WXW, wasn't it? And you mm. had uh, a few tours with them, some some matches, some tag matches with Joel, uh, some matches involving, I think uh, Walter might have been involved with, with one of them, um, whoever got down here. But this this photo here you posted on your Instagram, a triple threat match with El Generico, yourself, and Malachi Black, uh, Alistair Black. Um, so some really fond memories of those that that first year, two thousand and nine, in uh, in Germany, where you kind of visited quite often, didn't you? Yeah, it was funny. The first show I had in Germany, where I think was at the tail end of two thousand seven. And uh, I think I got blackballed for a year. Really? <laughs> I got, yeah, no, I, yeah, I think I spat water on a fan or something. And yeah, they were like, yeah, you're not coming back. And I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and uh, a year later, you know what? They they decided to give me a second chance. I learned my lesson. I was like, yeah, I, I definitely won't do that ever again. Yeah, and, I'll, be, uh, I'll be good, honest. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And um, yeah, from there, from from the, the time coming back the second time around, um, yeah, we were we were off to a much better start. So uh got to have a lot of mad just when I look back at that time, there were so many insane matches which I wish I could have again now. Like yeah. I remember there was one where it was Malachi Black and myself versus the Young Bucks, right? And I was yes. like, man, like imagine that match now in 2022. You know, like you know, that was back yeah, at the time I feel like any of us really knew what we were doing. And it's you know, I had matches with guys like Adam Cole. Like you said, I had a match with uh Walter out there before he was the Walter that we now yeah. Oh, I think uh, John yeah. Moxley, Sammy Callahan, yeah, uh, yeah. Satoshi, yeah, yeah, like and it's mad, especially like looking back at it because all, at that time, like all of us were just guys trying to break out and make a name of for course. ourselves, and and you know, I feel like in recent years, a lot of the the guys who have come through have have definitely, I feel, kind of been spoiled to some extent because. They're just back in, in that time, there wasn't that level of talent that was around, you know, mm. like, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, there was, you know, you could literally work every night of the week, you know, you could, and they were yeah. good shows, you know, back when there was things like what culture of defiant, you know, there's, you know, within a space of a few months, you could go from being a trainee wrestler to, to wrestling in front of thousands of fans on a, on a nightly basis. It was, you know, the, the scene was absolutely booming and, you know, you weren't having to put up with, you know, shitty 6 a.m. Ryanair flights, you know, to go out to Germany and, you know, um, you know, sit around a venue for like 10 hours and still be rushing around before your match because you're still not ready yet somehow. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, it was it was a great period of my life. Um, yeah, I, I still have fun memories of it now. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned the uh, the match uh, teaming with Malachi Black against the Young Bucks. I think, was that where, a cross-promotional match with Dragon Gate? And is that yeah. how they first, how you first fell into their radar, I suppose? Pretty much, yeah. So uh, I had been working behind the scenes for the, the Dragon Gate show that happened. Uh, so there were three shows in 2009 that Dragon Gate came over for. There was one in Spain on the Friday, one on the Saturday for WXW in Germany, and then one in yeah. uh, in my hometown of Oxford, your hometown too, yes. uh, at the, the Regal, um, what was it, the Regal Theatre, I think it Correct. was, or it was yeah. like a theatre turned into a bar or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. I remember it as a theatre, sure, yeah. Right, yeah, and uh, so I'd been heavily involved in in the build up to that. Um, you know, uh, something that I've never really talked about much is like when Pro Wrestling Noah came over in two thousand eight. 
I helped uh, promote the show. I, I co-promoted the show on the second day with Dragon Gate when they came over. I helped, um, you know, do a lot of things in the build-up to that, like the, you know, from printing the curtains to, you know, writing press releases to, you know, postering for the shows, you know, from, um, yeah, a, a lot of different things, like, you know, how can make the buckle pads, stuff like that. Like, it, it, you know, I was very... Um, very hands-on oh, yeah like even editing the show and helping produce a dvd you know that's that you know that that was a lot of things that i sort of uh took on behind the scenes that um yeah that, that i realized you know even then uh that wrestling isn't just wrestling do you know what i mean like there's so many different parts to it you know and if you can learn every aspect of the game then there's different areas for you to move into of course um you know so uh yeah so just having an appreciation for for all the work that goes into it elsewhere and uh yeah, uh, the the Dragon Gate uh, shows happened in two thousand nine. I did the show on the the, the Saturday, which is funny because I actually lost my job in order to have that show. Right, so uh, so in about a month before, <laughs> I was working in like a, a clothes store in Portsmouth, and it was just a dead end job to try and help you know uh, cover the rent so I could continue to train at the time. And there was a weekend where there was uh it, it, i think there was like a show in germany and then there was a i think it was the fwa show when they came back in 2009 the next day and i was like i don't want to miss the show in germany because i don't want that to possibly you know have further effects with them pulling me from the dragon gate show like i don't know why but like you always have that kind of like that slight yeah. paranoia as a wrestler that you're <laughs> like oh no if i miss one show they'll fire me um <laughs> But anyway, we uh, yeah, so uh, it got to the day before, and they were like, no, you're going to work one of the shifts that weekend. I was like, I can't. Like, I'm doing this for, you know, to be here for wrestling. Like, if I'm not getting wrestling. Not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, why am I here? And I, I literally went into work the day before. I was like, yeah, look, I just want to let you know. Um, this is, I'm going to be an asshole here, but I'm not going to let you down. This is the sense that I'm just, I'm not going to be here this weekend. Like, I'm going to go do these shows. And I'll accept whatever consequences come of that. And they were like, well, if you hand in your resignation, then, uh, you know, go go ahead. We were expecting you to just pull a sickie. And I was like, no, I'm going to let you know, like, at least that, <laughs> yeah, that I'm, I'm not going to be here. So you, you have the chance to kind of, you know, to cover your own asses, basically. Of course. And they were like, yeah, you can finish up your, your shifts until the end of the month and then you're gone. So, um, yeah, I was like, because I knew that Dragon Gate was coming up, I was like, right, I have to get like you know i have to get to japan like i have to make this opportunity work so i, I put this like abundance of pressure on myself and i always wanted to go to japan you know like I, i'd always um mapped out my uh wrestling career where i was like okay i want to break out in the uk then i want to break out to europe and then i want to get to japan and i want to get to america and, and so forth and uh yeah like sure enough at the end of the the dragon gate show in 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 oxford they they offered me a tour and i was like oh thank fuck because i had like nothing else <laughs> at all you know, you'd been lot. going back on your hands and knees saying please can i have the job back <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah but there was, uh, yeah there was it, it was very much this kind of like the sense of like make or break do you know exactly I mean? yeah there's, you know there's a saying of you know the motivational talk, uh, speakers talk about where it's like if you want to succeed think of it as like when uh you know warriors would storm an island if you burn the boats then you're in a do or die situation and when you're in that do or die situation when you have no plan b that's usually when you succeed because you have to there's literally no other option it's like that has to has to be the way forward and fortunately enough there's been a, a good handful of uh times in my life where that has been the case and it's paid off 
Yeah. And you mentioned about um, eventually getting the, the, the tour with Dragon Gate. Um, I think we're talking 2010 now. So you went over there on three separate tours, didn't you think? Three two-month tours um, through till about September of that year. But, but I mean, looking it up, I think you wrestled about 70 matches, 70 plus wow. matches while you're out there. I mean, I could be wrong in that, but um, tell us about kind of going over there, spending the vast majority of 2010 over in Japan then. It was great. I loved it. You know, the, the first tour, yeah. Uh, I think the first tour was about seven weeks. Now I was home for six and then back out there right. for nine, then home for three, then out there for another five to six weeks or so. Yeah. Um, and the first tour, you know, I was in this complete honeymoon period where I was like, this is amazing, you know. And uh, yeah, then the, the, the second tour I came back and it was like, I guess some of that had kind of like worn off a little bit. And I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> um and be, because I was rooming with uh, with Pac, um, yeah, you know Neville, uh, yeah, like uh, we were literally living out of each other's shadows for for the entire time, and we really started to grate on each other after a while. And it's hard when you're in a, a country where you know nobody speaks your language, and yeah. the only person who you can speak to is a Geordie, so he doesn't speak the <laughs> language really either. And then you fall out with that. No offense to Geordies if you're watching, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm saying it with love. But, uh, you know, and yeah, like you know, we, we fell out, but you know, we we you know, um, we always resolved our issues, and uh, yeah, you know, I think we've both matured a lot in, in recent years, and it's been great to see his his career go on because you knew back then, you know, this guy's going to be a megastar. Like this guy's got it down, you know. Like uh, he came to train at the old uh, academy that I trained at, and. Uh, yeah. At the time, we'd heard a lot of things like, oh, this guy's going to be huge. This guy's going to be a star. And then he, he walked in and he he kind of looked like a hobbit at the time because he had short, curly hair. And we were like, this guy? You know, and then like you, you saw him wrestle and you're like, yeah, he's going to be like Hell amazing. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, he's, you know, capable of doing things that you could, you know, you have no idea how is that even physically possible, you know. And uh, yeah, it's um, it, it was great learning from him and getting to, you know, uh learn the japanese style as well you know they, they have dragon gate seem to have this hybrid japanese mexican style because they were taught by luchadors so there's a lot of elements of that that, that is part of their style and yeah like you said 70 matches wow i didn't even realize yeah. it was it was that it was a lot though i know i literally got to work their entire roster um so and being in, in different um yeah going from town to town you saw how they they did things differently you know you, it was it's just invaluable experience that you know you see how uh, a wrestling company works and how it evolves and how it moves um when they have things like tv or pay-per-view and then house shows and stuff like that like it's a completely different animal yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I, I know that a lot's changed since then. You, you've got a, you've got a family, you've got children. Uh, you're back over here in the UK. But you know, if the opportunity came up to maybe do a, a short tour of Japan, maybe for Dragon Gate, maybe for somebody else, would you be interested in that proposition? Oh, for sure. Yeah, my son is as he loves Japanese. Um, you know, he, he wants to learn the, the the language. You know, he, um, <clears throat> he he's into what is it? Uh, some manga i think and and you know he's always telling me about uh you know different things uh, that you know that he's seen that are somehow related to japan so i think uh, sure. you know maybe like a, a year like when i was a kid i was like you know i would have loved to have spent a year in a foreign country or something and you know just have that different life experience and uh yeah i i think it would be a, a great opportunity to go back there it'd be cool to go back and see some old faces see who's still kicking about 
Absolutely, absolutely. We've still got more to get into, but we've got some listening questions that have come through in the uh, last few minutes uh, or so. Uh, Mark Lloyd has been in touch via YouTube, um, and I think he's asking, uh, in 1PW, you will be facing Hammerstone. Um, what do you think to seeing Burridge back just announced tonight? Um would you like to add any context to that? <laughs> Do you know? Are, are you scheduled to uh, be performing for One PW? Yes. Yeah. Against uh, it'll be coming up in when is it in uh, in October? But uh, yes. Yeah, I don't October know if I'll be October. facing Hammerstone. I kind of feel like we'd be we'd look like we're uh, uh, one of those Russian dolls, you know, where you open <laughs> one lady and there's a smaller one inside, but it'd, it'd just be kind of like a, a Viking-looking hairy blonde man. <laughs> who's getting smaller and smaller. And in regards to Burridge being back, until you asked me that question, I had no idea that that was right. even a thing. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be yeah interesting to see what he's like. Uh, yeah, nowadays. Absolutely. And we've got uh, Amber Joe, who's been in touch. Uh, what advice would you give someone on their very first international booking? Travel light. You know, um, when you I have like a kind of like a routine going through the airport where like I have my bum bag with me, you know, like one of those uh, travel bags. Yeah. Um, and uh, I put all everything in there just so it's very easy when it comes to uh, going through the scanners and such, you know, um, you know, wear comfortable clothing, like depending on how long your flight's going to be, you're going to want to be, you know, relatively com comfortable and as stress-free and as easy as you can do. Um, so just be prepared, like have anything that you need to take out of your bag in a very easy position. So, you know, things like toiletries and that don't like stick at the bottom because otherwise you're going to be stood in a queue for ages. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, just basically have everything ready and take a good book as well, because you have no idea how long you're going to be stuck in an airport or on a flight for. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to touch on your your TNA experience, if you don't mind, because I believe you did the European tour, um, the early beginnings of 2011. Um, and then you did some shows for them. I don't know if you were signed or not that summer. And then you did their European tour uh, the following uh, winter in 2012. We all know that you got uh, suffered an injury in your Wembley match um, against Austin Aries. But if you were to kind of look back, I think it's 10 or more years on now. How would you kind of sum up your, your TNA experience, uh, your highs, your lows, um, and anything you can take from that experience? I learned a lot. I guess that would be the best way uh, to, to describe it. It was, um, yeah, like any of these experiences are very bizarre, you know. Um, yeah. Like even then when we were just talking about Dragon Gate, I was thinking like, yeah, I was working like Shingo Takagi on like literally a, a weekly basis. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And that Pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you, you kind of look back, you're like, oh, OK, I was working, you know, guys like Pac and, and Shingo uh, regularly, you know, uh, with TNA that the first night that I had there, we had a, a house show in, I think it was Lyon in France. And uh, I was expecting just to put me in there with somebody to just to see how I did, or, you know, see what I was capable of. And I was in the ring and I was looking around and it was Shannon Moore and myself versus uh and Jeff Jarrett and Matt Hardy with uh, Kurt Angle as a special guest referee. And I was like, wow, this, like, is, a, hello. Surreal, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. this is a surreal moment. And um, yeah, then uh, the, the tour continued. I got to work uh, Frankie Kazarian and Chris Saban, I think pretty much every night up until I think I had a singles match with Shannon Moore. And then I had a, a tag match, uh, Magnus and myself versus Beer Money at Wembley um, in front of, I think it was about 10,000 fans or so. Um, for the the TNA Tag Team Championships, and yeah, they offered me the the contract. It took a yeah. few months, 
um, as in these cases, a lot of things seem to. And then finally got to go out there in, in July. Did uh, a few tapings, you know, uh, I'm hang out backstage with uh this might be a bit mind-blowing but i used to hang out backstage with uh alex shelley and akada um because they had nothing for us so we would just, you know sit around you know um you know get up to trouble get up to no good um yeah. you know and uh yeah just spend time together and then you know especially when was it just before the pandemic i got to wrestle alex shelley again and we were so happy that we'd We'd been in that place where we were like, okay, we're being kind of, we, you feel kind of neglected, right? You, you know, and then you go from that to, to then being like, okay, now we're, we're, we've been given some time to go out there on a Ring of Honor pay-per-view and, and, you know, do what we can do. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? So it was cool to have that sense of redemption that, you know, it, it finally paid off, you know, much further down the line. Um, and he's a great dude as well. Like, you know, he's, he's such an absolute sweetheart, bless him. Um, so it's it's cool to uh you know to see him still kicking about and still doing his thing um because i think the Mo the motor city machine guns were one of the most underrated tag teams ever Do you know they're uh, absolutely phenomenal and without those guys i think the they they affected professional wrestling more than what we realized they did you know from from that sort of era moving forward to now yeah. um, there's so many guys in the back that all the time that they're, they're talking about like oh yeah i used to love watching tna and the machine guns were one of my faves you know and like they're now guys that are out there absolutely killing it so um yeah uh and then yeah just through tna it was uh it was like i said it was a learning experience and you know cool. i think that like no matter what it is that you go through no matter what it is that you do you're always going to look back and have regrets and think how could i have done this differently how could i have made this more successful how could i have you know developed or whatever but at, at the end of the day you know I'm, I'm proud of the person i am now and all the routes that i've taken all the roads that i've gone down have led me to who i am now so it, it played a role in that in in some kind of capacity and uh yeah i'm grateful that i have that opportunity when i did absolutely now now I, I was first introduced to indie wrestling british indie wrestling at the back end of 2014 um and i remember seeing you for the first time in the flesh it was at a four fw show in swindon uh about may 2015 and you wrestled um i don't know if you've heard of this individual a certain uh, guy by the name of uh will osprey uh what was what, he done with himself since eh? but uh, it was yourself versus will osprey at four fw show in swindon 2015 a hell of a match uh, I've got to say, you went over in the match as well. Uh, so, uh, but but 2014, 2015, that was kind of like the beginnings of British wrestling UK, the UK indie scene becoming pretty much the hottest scene in the world as far as I was concerned. You know, going into 2016, 2017, 2018, everybody was talking about UK wrestling. And that kind of time period was so special, wasn't it? Uh, and like I say, 2014, 2015, when I started getting into indie uh, wrestling, um, was, was real kind of, it felt like the birth of something special. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I broke in, uh, so my first match was in 2006, and I think it was around, well, like 2008 that the, the, the uh, global recession hit. So mm -hmm. and it hit wrestling hard, you know, and um, I'd never thought that wrestling would, developed to like a, a decent standard in this country again i thought that was it so when the british scene started to boom and all these all this mad stuff started to happen um it really took me by surprise you know like i i 
just never anticipated it. But I think that it was just, there was a, ro- a lot of the right people at the right time. Yeah. You know, there were guys like uh, John Bridie, who was a, a successful promoter in, in different areas. And he then wanted to apply himself to wrestling and, you know, having guys like Jim Smallman on, on board. Like, I feel like Jim Smallman was such an underrated piece of the puzzle of progress. Yes. You know, um, I really feel like he made it, uh, you know, he's a huge part in why it has been as successful as it is. And, um, you know, then seeing progress go on to, to, you know, it started off in the garage in front of 350 fans and it went to being in the ballroom in front of 700 fans. And then, you know, just continue to progress. Brixton, two and a half thousand, Dally Pally, you know, 3,000, 4,000, whatever it is. And, Wembley you know, Arena. 5,000 fans, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's it's absolute madness. You know, US tours, you know, multiple dates in, in America. It's just, it's been absolutely insane. Like, I never anticipated any of, uh, you know, British wrestling, especially seeing where it came from, just not anticipating that anything would develop to to that kind of, uh, to that level. So it was great to great to see, great to be a part of, and, and continually mind-blowing. You're like, oh, wow, like, you know, this is happening? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and like you said, like, around 2014, 2015, it felt yeah. like it really started to build momentum, you know? Like, uh, you know, new fans started to come in. They, you know, had never heard of it before, and, um, you know, didn't realize that wrestling was literally on their doorstep, and then there was this new wave of talent that was coming through, and I feel that now we're kind of in a very similar position where, it's kind of like it's a lot of undiscovered talents that are starting to build that are going to start building momentum you know when less than a year back from where shows have even started sort of coming back and i think that within the next year or two like i think that we're going to be back on the up and i think that as long as the right people are present as long as the the right people are involved i think that british wrestling really has a chance of of you know um reaching those heights again I'm glad you said that because that's going to be one of my questions for later on. And I'm, I'm like I say, I'm glad that your perspective and, and vision is that British wrestling is definitely on the up and will hopefully reach them heights again. But uh, just touching on on progress, and I know that I think one promotion that you're very synonymous with um, is Progress. And I think you you debuted for them Chapter Seven. I think your last match for them was Chapter One Hundred. So that kind of demonstrates you know how loyal you were to Progress and how great they were for your career, uh, and and vice versa. So you were their world champion as well in 2016. But if you were to sum up kind of, you know, your 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 progress experience and your love for progress and why it was so special to you, um, how would you be able to sum that up? Um, it's like having a really annoying little brother that you love but scream at. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't know. Like, it, no, it's... it's yeah, like I said, like it's it was such a, a it felt like it was a phenomenon at one point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just continued to evolve, it continued to grow. Um, you know, and uh yeah, like I remember I got one of the emails, I got an email through for one their very first show. And at the time, you know, we'd never anticipated that running shows in London would really draw, you know. Um, and I remember they were saying, like, oh, we're gonna be running shows in London. And I was like, good luck with that. And then, you know, from the first show, like there seemed to be this buzz about it, you know, people were talking about it, people were like, Oh, this is something real special. And I was like, Oh damn. And then like continued to see, you know, a few more shows. I was like, Oh, this is actually doing pretty well. And then fortunately they they brought me in at, yeah, I think I guess it was chapter seven, right? And uh, I think that's right, yeah. I have no idea. I, I get <laughs> in the head for a living, so uh, you know, my memory is not the best. But uh, yeah, from from that point on, um, yeah, just continue to be a part of their shows and just try to apply myself in 
you know, the best way that I could and continue to evolve and continue to change. And around the start of, so at the end of 2014, I took some time off to, to you know, I had a, some niggling injuries. And when I came back in 2015, I felt like it was a real new, fresh start for me, you know. Um, it was a time where I started doing a lot of things differently. And progress was one of those places where I, you know, had the opportunity to, you know, really uh step up and step up my game and, and work talent and work guys in a, an environment which i felt was fitting to what it was that i wanted to to yeah. you know um sort of deliver that i wanted to you know be able to provide and uh yeah just so many so much good talent like i think back like at those matches i had i remember like uh when when will osprey first won the championship um it was the only match that was announced for the following show was him and me and it sold out in 30 minutes, you know, and like something like that was just unheard of at the time. Like, you, sure. you know, you just didn't anticipate it. And then I think after the month after that, I worked Tommaso Ciampa. Um, then, you know, I think a few months after that, I, I, yeah, I wrestled, I think Johnny Gargano and, you know, guys like Pete Dunn and, you know, just, just, on the regular you're, you're wrestling just you know guys who have gone on to be so successful in this industry you know and that people are now really starting to realize how good these this talent is and you look back at that time and you think wow that's insane that those were just regular shows that were happening do you know what i mean stacked from top to bottom like yeah. you know just insane talent and um getting to travel around you know uh and we, you know, we got to, for example, we did the when we did the American tour, we we wrestled a, a show for Progress in the ECW arena on my wife's birthday, and you know, experiences like that, that you know, golden. If you told me that when I was yeah. a teenager, you know, oh, you're gonna get to do the ECW arena and you know, do it on your birthday, I'd be like, wow, that would be amazing. Do you know what I mean? Um, and uh, you know, certain other things as well, like you know, years ago there was a documentary on progress, and my son was involved in it. Where they we went for a walk up the hills, and they asked him, um, you know, uh, what do you like to do up here? And one thing that he used to love to do was pick up. He'd find a stick and pretend it was a gun, and then we, because he was dinosaur mad at the time, he would always be like, you know, he'd pretend we were shooting dinosaurs. And um, you know, we uh, they asked him, what do you like to do here? And he's like, I like to chill out here and shoot dinosaurs. And then that became the name of a show. And sure enough, I was like, look, if I'm ever going to do a WrestleMania entrance, this is it. Do you know what I mean? I'm getting my son booked. So I, so I told uh, John Brady, the promoter, I said, hey, look, um, can I force a trainee into a, in a dinosaur outfit and then shoot him with my son? <laughs> and they were totally on board of it. So, uh, yeah, we, we found somebody on the day who was willing enough to, uh, yeah, to um, be shot by a three-year-old <laughs> child. And uh, it was so funny because we, we go out and um, – yeah, we, so we, we come out and do the special entrance. And the, the fun, this was the thing that really pissed me off. And this is where I'm talking about it being like a, the annoying little brother that you love, but you shout at, right? <laughs> but like, I have given like progress so many ideas across the years, right? So anyway, a few days before the show, I was trying to like, you know, get Jack like open to the idea that he was going to walk out in front of, you know, 700 people on a, on a show. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, so we're going to come out. You come out with daddy, then we shoot a dinosaur, and then we go to the ring. And he's like, yeah, I want the Jurassic Park theme and i was like no you, you come out to my theme he's like no i want the jurassic park theme and i was like all right so like i dropped a bridey a message just you know joking being like oh jack's demanding his own theme music what prima donna you know what i mean <laughs> like, you know what? then we get to the show on the day and uh you know bridey's like okay so i've got the jurassic park theme lined up and i was like what like how like you know why is it that my ideas get shot down and yet my son gets his own show named after him and his own you know gimmick entrance 
So we come out, we shoot a dinosaur, we get to the ring. My son turns to me and he's like, Daddy, who do I fight? I'm like, you're going with Mama to sit in the crowd. He's like, oh, I wanted to wrestle. And then we um, afterwards, as we're leaving, I get him to say thank you. And he goes up to, to John. He's like, oh, thank you for letting me shoot a dinosaur. And he's like, oh, you're welcome. And then Jack just looks at him and goes, yeah, next time I'll do Star Wars. And then he walks out. I was like, man, this kid's a pro. He's even got the return booking as well. He's, uh, yeah. He, I should be learning from him, really. Oh, 100%. What a great story. I absolutely love that. Um, I've got to talk to you about ROH now. Um, sure. And uh, I know you you uh, got signed, was it at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019? But um, Madison like Square Garden, that. WrestleMania weekend, uh, must have been a dream come true to have been performing in, in in that you know historic prestigious uh, sporting venue walking them hallowed halls stepping out into a sold out madison square garden um that must have kind of really got you as a fan and as a pro wrestler thinking yeah this is this is heaven right now yeah absolutely you know uh, i i grew up you know watching so many different tapes from madison square garden i was like i have to wrestle here one day and uh I remember one of my favorite matches there was the, from, what was it, from the Royal Rumble 2000 where Jeff Hardy, uh, the Hardy Boys versus the Dudley Boys in a, yes. in a tables match and Jeff Hardy yes. jumping off, uh, what was it, like a, it was like a balcony or something. He, he, like, he uh, jumped off, was it the, uh, yeah, where, where they entered the entrance uh, stage, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was the, it was the opposite of the entrance. It, like, oh, it right. looked identical too, but it was like, yeah, I guess it was just a different part of the arena that was kind of set sure. up the same for when it's, you know, say like a hockey game or something. And, uh, you know, they, uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, or a basketball game, rather. So anyway, so when he, uh, I, I always watch it and then getting to wrestle Bully Ray at Madison Square Garden, I was like, this is pretty mad. Do you know what I mean? You know, uh, you know, me as a child would be losing my mind right now, do you know? And uh, yeah, like I, I was going around the venue um, all day trying to figure out, oh, where is this bit or where's that bit? And uh, because we had a, a, a street fight or some kind of hardcore match, um, Juice Robinson and I were going through the venue trying to find anything that we could use as a weapon just to, uh, you know, um, to, to lamp somebody with. And uh, that wooden crate that you can see stacked up in the corner there, we actually found in, I think, some kind of dumpster truck in the very, you know, bowels <laughs> of the, the building. You know, we, uh, we, we went and scavenged everything that we could that could possibly be used to, uh, to hit somebody with. And uh, funny enough, so my wife was with me. And uh, after the match, I was—I was, I thought I knew where she was, so I was blowing kisses to her. And it turned out she was sat in a completely different area of the crowd. So I was like, "Well, I hope I made some fans tonight." <laughs> oh, fantastic! Absolutely fantastic. Um, I do have uh, another question that's come through. Came through before we went live, as a matter of fact, from uh, Dennis Day Junior via Facebook. Uh, what was it like working with Bully Ray and having your feud culminate at Final Battle? Yeah, it was great. It was, uh, yeah, you don't realize like how big he is until you stand next to him. And he's like, he's just kind of like a skyscraper where it just feels like he just keeps going and going. Do you know what I mean? He's a big um, old dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And funnily enough, so a story I guess I can talk about from my feud with uh, Final Battle. I don't know if you can see it there. Uh, it's, yeah, not really. But so I've got like a very faint scar down this finger that cost Ring of Honor in a, a, probably in excess of 10 to 20 grand, right? Now, the Maryland Athletic State Commission has a strict no-blood policy. And, of course, 
we're having an extreme match with barbed wire, right? <laughs> so I end up taking the power bomb off the top rope uh, onto a table that didn't break. So then Bully splashes me through the table. And as I'm crawling out of it, I end up cutting my finger and bleeding. And, you know, sure enough, then, um, you know, the Maryland Athletic State Commission were not happy. So, uh, you know, ring of honor, bless him. Um, Joe Coffey, he, he, he took the entire fine. He said, look, this isn't going to re- you know reflect badly on you guys. We asked you to do this match. We're, of we're picking up the, the the bill for it. We're picking up the tab. Um, so I just got left with a, yeah, a scar on my finger from the story of, you know, the battles with Bully Ray and, uh, yeah, the, the lesson that you do not fuck with the Maryland Athletic State Commission. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we've got uh, another question that's come through. Let me just bring it up here if I can. Um Good question, this, uh, from uh, Anthony Russell. Do you prefer working face or heel? So I like working face because the merchandise money is great. Um, and I like working heel because if you've had a really shit day, it's a, such a great way to blow off some steam. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. back when I you know, was first starting out and, and you know, I, I loved being a heel, you know, it was oh, there's something just very therapeutic about getting to act like a utter asshole and <laughs> being paid for it you know so uh yeah it, it was it was a lot of fun but um man like i don't necessarily have like you know a preference of one or the other you know i i is i feel like you know one of the best things that you can be in, in any industry is versatile do you know what i mean and being able to to adapt and to evolve and being able to change to your your, your surroundings so um yeah i i really don't mind you know either way i end up you know enjoying the experience and and when you you know you do something and you enjoy doing it then you know you don't have an issue with it with it either way you know i'm not one of these people that needs people to cheer me you know to to you know feed my ego or anything like that do you know what i'm saying like i'm more than happy to go out there and and just be a, a total dick and people, you know, <laughs> yeah, you'd be able to shout at me, and, you know, and uh, yeah, as no, long as you enjoy everything in the grand scheme of things, that's the main thing. Absolutely. I, I noticed on one of your Instagram posts, uh, you said that uh, despite having been in the business for as long as you have, you've never been 100% satisfied with a single performance and maybe never will be. Well, why do you think that is? And, and, and do you think that that's kind of helped to drive you? uh to to be the 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 ultimate professional that you are now never being satisfied with your performances constantly driving you to try and up your game every time you go out there yeah i think it just comes from being a a perfectionist you know um i think that it's i think it's equally a a a blessing and a curse you know um on one hand it continues to make you strive to do better. It makes you strive to, you know, uh, like I said, continue to evolve, continue to change, continue to apply yourself in the best way that you can. But also on the flip side, like you, you, it's very rare that you ever have a moment where you can sit back and really appreciate or enjoy, you know, what you've done, you know, like, uh, and, and wrestling is one of these, it can, wrestling can be very unrewarding at times where like, you know, you go out there and you really bust your ass and, you know, you have like, you know, a, you have consistently good matches and when you get through the curtain you're like oh how was that and they were like yeah it was all right and you're like it was all right like i've just near you know i've just risked my life to try and put on a performance for you and it's okay <laughs> you know what i'm saying like uh so i think in some regards you know it, it can be like that um on, you know on the other hand it could be you know super rewarding like it's one that is like anything in life you know there's ups and downs and you know you get out of the experience whatever it is that you kind of 
I feel like sometimes what you look for. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if you look for a reason for people to, you know, think that you could do better, you'll always see that element of things, you know, like, and uh, it's always been really important for me to never like get to a point where I think um, that I couldn't do better. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I always think like, you know, okay, no matter how I could have the most perfect match ever and I'll still think, uh, I don't like the way I flicked my hair there. I'll have to change that next time or something. You know, like I'm always trying to look at what's that next thing that I can do to to step up my game. What's the next thing that I can do to to change this or change that? And um, yeah, Constantly I think challenging yourself and yeah, yeah, never being yeah. satisfied. I think that if you ever, if you, if there's ever a point where you think that you couldn't be working harder, you're lying to yourself. Like there's yeah. always a way for you to take things to the next level. You know, and I think, like I said, like that can be a good thing because it continues to inspire you. It continues to, you know, make you do better, but it can also do the opposite where it kind of feels like, you know, it, it can sort of eat you alive at times where you feel like no matter what you do, it just isn't good enough, do you know? And uh, yeah. yeah, I think that it's, it's important to just try and enjoy the little, uh, you know, enjoy the moment more, you know, like uh, when uh, my friend Chris Travis died, he said one of the things, and it always stuck with me when uh, he said that, one of the things that he wished he'd done was just live in the moment more and just enjoy the moment and what it was he was going through and not worry about what was next or what was to come or, you know, all this different stuff, but to just try and sit back and, you know, take everything in. And, you know, he got to work a lot of his, uh, a lot of his idols and, um, you know, he was, he was too busy worrying about this or that or whatever. And like, you know, didn't really take the time to appreciate where he was. And I think that it's, it's important to do that. That like equally, you have to sort of walk this, this line where, you, you know, you do, you know, continue to improve and, uh, you know, um, and, you know, continue to better yourself. But at the same time, you know, you, you have to kind of appreciate where you are and, and, and enjoy what it is that you, you, you're going through. Of course, of course. A couple more quick questions that have come through um, from James Nation. Where do you prefer to wrestle, uh, the MSG or the National Stadium in Ireland? I think I know where he's going to go. <laughs> oh, man. I love both, you know. Uh, yeah, Madison Square Garden was – yeah, I came out of that like buzzing on a real high. And uh, National Stadium, I, I, it was one of the, the shows I got to do for TNA. I, uh, and, you know, during the, the house show loop that I did, I, I wrestled in one of the opening matches. So now getting to go back there and be main event and, you know, being the featured match and, you know, uh, you know OTT World Championship match, like it is a cool uh, experience for me that it is gone from, you know, one one extreme to the other. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? You know, um, so yeah, both have like both hold sentiment in my heart and I wish I could choose one over the other, but I'm going to give you the most political answer that I can. <laughs> very <laughs> diplomatic. Very <laughs> diplomatic. Here we go. Voxel X has been in touch watching live via YouTube. So thank you. Um, who are your favorite tag teams to wrestle as part of the thrillers with Joel Redman? Gosh, who did I wrestle? That's taken me back some time. Um, I remember wrestling the cartel. That was quite fun. Yeah, um, yeah they were uh, <laughs> they were a handful. Bless them. But um, no, them and uh, who was it? I got to. We got to. We had a really good match with the Knights, the uh, Roy and Zach Knight um, oh. at York Hall. And um, yeah, that was that was fun. You know, like some people have apprehensions working the Knights, but like I was kind of see it as like you know it's. I don't know. It's kind of more exciting, you know, like in, in a lot of ways, because if you enjoy uh, sort of, like I said, like living in the moment and being very reactionary, then, it, you know, they're great because you never quite know what's going to happen. I think the first time I wrestled uh, Roy Knight, I, I got suplex for a merchandise table 
um, and which I definitely wasn't anticipating. And I was like, you know what, screw this. I was a heel at the time. So I was like, you know what, he's either going to appreciate this or he's going to hate it and he's going to kill me, but it's going to be entertaining for everybody to watch. So I got up with a DVD and just cracked him over the head with it. And I heard him say under like his voice, he's like, yeah, do it again. I'm like, all right. So I can pick up another one, crack him with it. He's like, do it again. So I get like two and I'm just beating him over the head with these DVDs. And then before I know it, I go crashing through another merchandise table. And, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where like, I think like if you, um, you know, like I always enjoyed play fighting with my my friends as a kid and uh, it's very it, it has a very sort of like reminiscent feel of that where like you don't really know what's going to happen but you're probably going to end up you know breaking a light bulb or you know smashing you know the you know, your mum's furniture or something like that and it's uh yeah very similar thing working with the knights you never quite know what to expect until it happens Absolutely, got nothing but love for the for the Knight family. You spent Saturday oh, with uh, yeah, with yeah. Uh, Zach Knight and um, RKJ, Tony Knight and uh, PJ Knight um, over here in Westbury Immortal. Uh, fantastic match, fantastic guys. Great to talk to as well. Um, who, who would you say are some of your most influential people that you've been around that's maybe inspired you as a pro and maybe you know kind of inspired you as a performer? I suppose um, any any pros or people within the business. Pardon me? People that I've actually spent time with? I would say so, yeah. That's a good question. Um, I think there's lots of people that influence me in different ways, you know, like, uh, you know, my wife is one, obviously, who, um, you know, we have a lot of differing opinions in in some things. So it's, it's, you know, I like to surround myself with somebody, you know, and people that have a different opinion to me, because then it makes me think yeah. different. Do you know what I mean? It makes me think, oh, I didn't necessarily think of that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it makes me see things from a different perspective. Um, you know, I, I hate being around people that just always agree with you, because then you'll, you'll only ever think how you think. Like, it's very hard to think outside the box when you only ever hear sort of one, you know, narrative as such. Um, so yeah, I'd say, uh, yeah, Vic is definitely one who, you know, she might see something that I don't, or, you know, she might suggest something like, oh, you know, think of it this way or something. I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't even like contemplated that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, gosh, people are Joey Mercury in a, in a strange way, because we, we've spent a lot of time together in, in ring of honor and, uh, yeah. Yeah, like he, he, you know, he's absolute, just insane genius. You know, like I, I, it was where I realized and saw it for you know firsthand that like, you know, genius kind of rides the what is it like? Uh, yeah, genius rides the crest of the wave of crazy. Do you know? And it's it's sure. this weird like kind of pool where it's like, is he crazy or is he genius or is it the same thing? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it, he was somebody that could see things that you didn't even once again that you couldn't necessarily think about or it didn't even necessarily see you're like, Oh wow. Well, there's a different dimension to that or something. And uh, yeah, just as a person makes you realize exactly how you don't want to turn out in life. So, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, now bless him. I haven't spoken to him in a while, but you know, Joey, uh, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was one of those guys where I think you either loved him or hated him. And uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was a lot of fun. I, I, I remember spending a lot of time with Joey and, and laughing so hard that I thought my lungs were going to burst, you know? Uh, so um, they're definitely two people that I think, uh, yeah, have influenced me a lot. Um, what, yeah. what about this guy there, Mark? Uh, William Regal. Um, oh, Billy Rex. Him on an on a Instagram post that, you know, he uh, pulled you to one side and had a chat with you after a PWG show. Um, but, um, yeah, what was your interaction like with, with Regal? 
I've had quite a few interactions with, uh, right. with Ringo, and uh, yeah, it, it's weird because there seems to be this like pre-existing unspoken like bond of just being British, right? Like, you know, you you know, you can go to a big American company and you can kind of speak to people and you feel like some people there's like some kind of distance to kind of like find a mutual ground on. And then, you know, like, you know, Regal is, you know, has been, has walked down many of the, the roads that we have. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he's worked for a, a lot of the old school promoters that, um, you know, are still kicking about and has, yeah, impressions of and you know you, you all kind of have stories of that you can kind of you know mingle together and it you know when i came through in in what the mid 2000s and 2006 2007 there was a good handful of like that old school you know guys kind of coming through you know guys like uh john Fremantle, who ran premier promotions down on the south coast you know it was a very uh traditional british wrestling uh show you know like there would only be four matches it was all rounds um, you know, yeah. it was uh, the the crowd that were there. And obviously, it felt like they'd followed it. They'd become fans during like the the seventies or eighties and never left. So like it felt like this completely different world. And um, there was a lot of talent there. You know, old school wrestlers like Steve Gray. You know, guys like Johnny Kidd, um, who were you know still kicking about. Who were obviously there when when Regal was was coming through. So it was uh, yeah, like this. I don't know, like it. Is weird like you know some people you can just almost instantly relate to because you you've been through sort of similar you know situations or work for the same promoters and he was definitely one of those guys where like that picture was taken for pwg out in california do you know what i mean and you're the other side of the earth and you're you're talking to somebody about you know about cups of tea in coronation street <laughs> you know or you know maybe not necessarily those things but like for example <laughs> i know what you mean uh, is, uh, yeah very much very sort of you know the very kind of like homely feeling to some of extent. course of course um and as we start to wind down um as i mentioned to off air on friday i interviewed yeston reese uh, live on the wrestling with john's podcast and you was uh, a guest on one of his youtube um uh, videos uh, bench pressing questions um i think he's had uh, will osprey dan maloney uh, Roy Johnson and yourself, and um, you actually got him to take the the ice bath, uh, the ice bath, didn't you? The ice bucket. Uh, now, one question that I neglected to ask yesterday on Friday was, how did how did he cope in the ice? Did and I'm going to ask you, Mark, how was Yeston in in that ice cold water? Um, did, did he did he adapt to it? Was he okay? Uh, tell us how he got on in that ice bucket. No, he cried. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. He actually did really well. Um, yeah, I wish I could show him up and, and tell you how he wussed out, but he didn't. He did 10 minutes uh, straight in. Um, He's a top man. He was, he was. He endured it. And, uh, yeah, in that picture there, his body's almost as red as my hoodie, you know. And, uh, <laughs> he, um, yeah, I, so one thing that I definitely realized during uh, during the pandemic was how much of a weirdo I am. And rather than sort of deny it anymore, I just kind of endorsed it. And like I said earlier, like, you know, um, I did so many different things, you know, and, and ice therapy and cold water immersion was definitely one of them. You know, like I, I discovered Wim Hof and his um, mm. breathing technique and, you know, the cold water immersion. And, and it was something I started to implement into my daily routine. You know, there were parts, uh, you know, um, months where I would get up at 5 a.m. and jump into a cold barrel. It would be the first thing that I did. And, you know, the the, I think the lowest temperature that I ever recorded was like 0 0.6 degrees. So, you know, during, uh, you know, a few months ago, I think it was like around January where we had a big storm come through from Russia, like Russia yeah. got the blame for the storm. And, um, you know, 
you weren't allowed to travel like they were saying like stay in you can't travel anywhere you know like don't go outside it's a storm so that was of course of course the weekend that i traveled to scotland and back and it was one of the easiest like you know road journeys i'd ever had like there was a bit of snow on the on the grass on you know the verge and that was pretty much it you know like it was uh yeah uh pretty um you know, easy, easy road. So went to Scotland and back. And when we got back, the, the ice barrel had frozen over. So I had to break the ice to get into it. And that was where it was, uh, yeah, the lowest temperature that it had been. But you know what? There was, uh, there's something about, for me personally, there's something about getting into cold water that like, you know, teaches you just a different aspect of yourself. Because what you're doing is actually quite easy in the sense of you're just sat there right? You just sat there for 10 minutes and all you've got to do is just count your breaths and, you know, um, do different sort of breathing exercises and such. But the, the environment that you're in being in, you know, like the cold and like the immense cold as well, like you have to figure out your own, um, internal dialogue to, you know, help you, you know, to really endure it, you know? And, uh, there's been times like I did a, a show a, a few months ago up in Newcastle for North wrestling. And I was like, you know, I'm on the road, but I don't want to, um, lose out on, on doing cold water therapy. So I, I found a, a beach that was on my uh, route up to, uh, up to Scotland. And it was, uh, in Bamba near Bamba castle. Right. So it's, uh, you know, the, the Northeast corner of the country. And I go up and it's a, you know, a January morning, like people are in their coats and like walking their dogs on the beach. I'm there in a little pair of swim shorts and I go and jump in the water and sit there huffing and puffing for 20 minutes. Right. And by the time I got out, I just felt like I achieved something. Like, I don't know what it was, but I definitely achieved something where I was like, okay, like, you know, I've, I've managed to talk myself through like 20 minutes here. Like, you know, if I can do this, I can do anything. Do you know what I mean? Like it yeah. is, you know something known as top-down control is like if you can control your breath you can control your heart rate if you can control your heart rate that's where you control your mind you know and, and learning little things like this i feel have definitely helped me when coming back to wrestling you know um because there's been, i feel like looking back at my career there's been so many opportunities where i feel like maybe anxiety got the better of me or maybe you know the voice in my head that said oh you probably shouldn't do that or you shouldn't do this or whatever kind of like managed to win and take over whereas like you know a lot of these a lot of the time these fears that you have like these worries of of whatever are completely they never happen do you know what i mean mm. like you know look yeah. at five years ago could we predict that 2020 would have happened the way it did no do you know what i mean like you know there's during that time you know there's been so many people across the years that have told me you know oh you should get a job that's you know that's you know secure or something and it, like if 2020 taught us anything it was that like nothing is secure like nothing you know is is always you know going to necessarily last you know like people who had been to university who had spent years you know training to get degrees that like had jobs that they felt that were you know um that were secure weren't do you know what i mean as soon they find themselves you know without a job they find themselves you know in predicaments where they're you know hungry or having to you know borrow money and, and all these yeah. things and i feel that like you can never accurately predict what's around the corner but what you can do is influence the outcome that you you desire do you know if you yeah. tackle every situation the best way that you can if you tackle every situation with being like i'm going to make the best out of this opportunity no matter what it is you know and if you if you always uh if you shoot for the stars and you miss at least you'll still end up amongst them do you know what i'm saying yeah, like you know all you can ever do is the best with every opportunity that you're faced with and you know that certain things like doing cold water therapy is you know something that um i feel like 
it, it, it kind of helped me just, you know, real, you know, realize certain aspects like that, you know, just taking it one breath at a time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like not thinking, okay, I'm going to spend 20 minutes in freezing cold water, but just thinking like, okay, I'm going to do one round of, you know, the Wim Hof breathing technique. And then once I've done that, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to do another round. And before you know it, that stacks up. And when you do it on, you know, habit and on repeat, suddenly before you know it, you, you know, you, you're 90 days in and you, you know, like, you know, spent every morning, first thing that you've done is gone and jumped into a barrel of cold water and spent between 10 to 20 minutes in it. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it, it does something to your psyche. Like it has a lot of good, you know, physical effects. Um, and is know, it good for uh, muscle repair or anything like that? So there's some sort of debate in regards to what it does for uh, muscular repair, you know, there's, sure. Some studies that suggest that if you do it directly after a workout, it actually hinders muscle growth. Right. But then that isn't necessarily a bad thing, depending on what your goal is. You know, if you're a cage fighter and you, you know, you're looking not to become big and bulky because you need to be, you know, uh, you know, uh, trim enough that you can, you know, escape certain, you know, holds or whatever. Then obviously you want to maximize your strength with gaining the least amount of weight as possible. You know what I'm saying? So there's. You know, it, it really depends on what your, your goal is, you know, but um, Eddie Hall uh, was somebody who um, I follow and uh, one of his recovery days was, you know, um, one of the things that he would do is hot and cold therapy where he'd spend 10 minutes in the hot, five minutes in the cold and repeat that three or four times. So um, I would run myself a hot bath upstairs, which would be about 40 degrees. And then I'd go outside and jump into the cold barrel, which would be whatever the weather was outside. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty much always less than 10 degrees um and it, it could range you know like i remember so i i actually sized up so the barrel that you saw yesterday in there the barrel that i had before him it wouldn't have fit him in it <laughs> like it was a, no. a much smaller barrel but that was another time where um i broke i'd have to break the ice to jump in and you know you spend five minutes in there and you come out and you, you're bright red do you know what i mean and there was a, a time where uh at the end of 2020 going into 2021 i was getting up at 3 a.m and going to the gym and training from sort of like 3.30 till 6 a.m., right? And we were doing something called uh, SEAL Fit, which is a, a U.S. Navy SEAL cross-hybrid workout with CrossFit, right? And uh, one morning I was deadlifting and just something went in my lower back. And I was like, this is bad. I'm going to be out for months, right? I was anticipating like this really isn't good. I couldn't even stand up straight. It was so bad. So I came home and I, you know, I foam rolled, I stretched, and I did hot and cold therapy. I do, you know, 10 minutes in the hot, five minutes in the cold. Within a week, I was back in the gym. Like it was, it did something. Do you know Incredible. what I mean? Like, you know, I think that there's still the, um, a lot of sort of science going into what like it, it does or doesn't necessarily do. But also one thing as well is like, usually if you believe that something works, it, you know, it does work. You know, like there's such a, you know, I think it's something ridiculous, like 30 to 40% of medicine is all based off of the placebo effect. And, you know, you, you don't realize how powerful your mind actually is. And if you believe that something works, then a lot of the time that placebo effect will end up, you know, taking over to at least some extent and will, you know, at least help you in, in some regard. So, you know, whatever it is that you think, it, like, you know, like they're saying, like, if you believe you can or you can't, you're right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, if you, you, know, you, you just kind of end up finding your way. And, um, you know, the other thing as well is, like, I think that it's important to, you know, to try things and to see what it is that you take away from it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and for me, like the past, you know, two years or so has been a real time of, you know, self-discovery and mental toughening and, you know, um, 
really kind of just i guess redeveloping myself and just kind of you know seeing okay well what does this do or what does that do you know what does running through a you know a, a storm through over hills do for you do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like you know taking on all these challenges that um I wouldn't have necessarily taken on you know myself like you know there were the other day I, I got my wife to drop me off um I wanted to run from one end of the Malvern Hills to the other and I think it was about 16 kilometers or so um and she was late for an appointment so I got her to drop me off somewhere you know en route so I had uh, these barefoot shoes which are basically like where they have like zero or very little padding on the bottom yeah. so it gives you the feeling of being barefoot but at least protects your foot enough um and i had a weight vest on and i ran uh, i think it was about five kilometers just to get to my starting point and then whatever the hardest route was that was the route i was taking because i didn't want to let there be any excuses do you know what i'm saying i was like i'm gonna take the hardest route and i'm gonna put put myself through this and by the end of it when i was on on the hill coming back down to my, my house like i physically couldn't run anymore do you know what i mean like i had to walk like i'd, I'd be able to run a few steps and then i just yeah. stop and this was all before i'd had breakfast do you know what i'm saying so wow. it was like you know <laughs> you know, putting yourself through you know these experiences that you know um you find out like who you are. Do you know what I'm of saying? Course. Like you find out this different layer of, of what's underneath. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you find out like, do you have this drive or don't you? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, are you going to talk to yourself in a way that this is going to get you through something? Are you going to talk to yourself and be like, no, come on, just a few more steps. Okay. Get to that point. All right. Get to that next point. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you have to, you, you kind of realize that only really by doing this, you're like, okay, it's kind of easier when you break it down and you think, okay, I'm just going to run up this slope here. And then you're like, okay, now I'm just going to go a bit further. And okay. And like, you know, before you know it, you, you've done the whole thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Whereas like we were kind of touched on earlier talking about, you know, aspiring pro wrestlers is, you know, to, too often you're focusing on so much stuff that isn't ne- like necessary. Do you know what I mean? Like it, all you have to do is just take it one step at a time. Okay. How can you be better than you were yesterday? Okay. How do you, uh, you know, groom certain mindsets that will help you? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you, you know, go through things like cold water therapy on a morning basis, day after day after day, you find like a, a way to be resilient do you know what i mean like you find mm-hmm. a way to endure these things you find a way where you know you manage to talk yourself through you know an uncomfortable you know situation but come out the other end of it and when you come out the other end of it like you feel so much more of a sense of like damn like i feel like i did something here do you yeah. know what i mean like when i did the the four by four by 48 i did that a second time uh vic and i i think it was a week before the last national stadium show for ott um I ran four miles every four hours for 48 hours straight. Vic worked out 40 minutes every four hours for four hours straight. We did like two hour intervals. So I would go at say, you know, uh, eight, she would go at 10. Do you know what I mean? And like, you know, before you know it, like you just, you're running off a very little sleep because each other's alarms wake each other up. And, you know, like you, you learn something new about yourself where, you know, you didn't necessarily learn it the first time, do you know, like, and, you know, it's like these little challenges we raised, I think over a thousand pounds for charity. That's um, phenomenal. It was, it was a, an abuse charity. So thank you for everybody that reached out and donated um, and followed our journey over that weekend. And um, yeah, you know, it, it's just, you know, putting, you know, I feel like the most important thing in life is experience. Do you know what I mean? Like if, you know, bad experiences can, you know, even help, um, mold you if it's for the better if you choose to take the 
you know, what's the best thing I can take away from the situation? You know, um, yeah. you know, like one thing that's, that's happening for me personally at the moment. So uh, at the start of the year, so this is the year that I've had so far. So start of the year, lose my job with Ring of Honor. By the end of January, find out that my dad's got stage four cancer and has a few months left to live. You know, um, I suffered one of the worst concussions that I've ever had at the national stadium show and then catch COVID um, probably yeah. at the hospital, uh, you know, getting checked out for the concussion. And so far it's April. And that's been what's happened in four months. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and you know, um, in, in regards to my dad, like, you know, seeing the situation is like it sucks. You know, like I told him, I'm going to be heartbroken. Um regardless of, of when he dies you know whether that's you know in a few months whether that's in a few years sure. um it, it's the result is going to be the same but I'll, I'll deal with that when i i get to that and the best thing that i can do is just enjoy the time that i have left with him and you know he's somebody that i you know both my parents are people that uh, are huge influences on me without me even necessarily realizing you know um the the situation i've seen my dad go through um has given me a whole new level of respect for him that I, you know, I, I realize where I get a lot of sort of mentalities from, like he's somebody that you wouldn't anticipate is like a rugged guy, but kind of is, you know, like he's, like I said earlier, he's a, a preacher for the United church and he's a teacher for a, 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 a military college, right. A science teacher for a military college. Yeah. So you have two different ends of the spectrum. So, um, you know, he's very, just a very sweet, you know, old guy. And yet like, you know, he, he's not taking his meds because he's like, look, I researched them. I saw that they had like a bunch of bad side effects. You know, I, I want to enjoy the last few months I have the best way that I can. So I'm just going to kind of grit it out. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, yeah. um, even to the point where he went to go and get checked out, they had to put a, a, a camera down his throat and they were like, we can put you under anesthetic if you want. He's like, no, I need to drive home afterwards. So, you know, like don't do it. And it, there's, yeah, just such as kind of like this mental toughness there. You know, he grew up on a farm. So I think it, it, a lot of that is kind of like, you know, installed in him and is therefore installed in me. And I see it. Yeah, a very um, inspirational guy by the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I see it being rubbed, you know, rubbing off on my kids now. You know, like my daughter got told the other day, I'll go outside, and, you know, and, and play for 10 minutes. And she goes outside and starts racking up a weight bar and doing deadlifts. Do you know what I mean? Like, she, you know, I can see like she has such a determination, such a resiliency that she, you know, just continues to whatever it is that she's going through. She, she, you always hear her tell herself like, yes, I can, I can do this. Do you know what I mean? She's seven years old. Right. And this girl is like, you know, one day she's going to, you know, just be an absolute world beater. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Whatever it is that she devotes herself to, she's going to be the best of the best. Like I guarantee it. That's because she's got two phenomenal parents uh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, well, you have to set a good example for the man. So, you know, oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. I've, I've, got, I've got five children and uh, I try to do the same for mine as well. But um, wow, you've been busy. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we only bought a TV last year. So, uh, <laughs> um, final question, final question. Okay. And I'm going to throw this out to one of our viewers, uh, James again, who's watching via YouTube. Um, What's your funniest backstage story? So, like I say, it's not a PG podcast, but as long as it's not going to get you into trouble, any, any, any funny? Is there? What's your funniest backstage story? I'm sure you've seen a few. Yeah, gosh, I'm trying to think of one. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there's been a, a, a good few. Um, I don't even know. You know, uh, yeah, there was a bizarre moment, I guess um on uh <laughs> so years ago we did a sonosphere right a sonosphere show and right. somebody found a bungee cord now one of the wrestlers um had this 
really strange pride in the fact that he had one giant testicle, right? <laughs> like he got hit in the balls when he was young and it swelled up. And I'm not kidding. It is the size of like an apple or an orange is by far the biggest testicle I've ever seen in my life. Right. And somehow at the, you know, when like people are sat around and like the worst thing that you can have is a group of wrestlers kind of sat around with not a lot to do because they end up trying to entertain themselves. And, um, you know, you, you this is a perfect example of kind of like the bizarre thing where like, um, you know, the, the shenanigans that you kind of end up um, where like, a, a, I think the, somebody had found like a, one of the bungee cords, like the warm up cords um, that somebody had left at the show. And before we know it, um, <laughs> this guy's got his giant nut out and he's holding it and we're using it as a target. And somebody's got one end of the bungee cord over here and somebody's got an end, I think just a random onlooker has got the other end of the cord over here. And the only thing we could find is like a tin of tuna and we're trying to use it as like this giant catapult to like slingshot and using this guy's giant nut as a, as the target. And it's one of those things where you kind of like look around and you're like, how would you ever like explain this moment? Like how did like your path in life lead to this? Do you know what I mean? And you know, like it, it was, yeah, just one of those funny, kind of funny and like weird situations where you're like, yeah, how does, how is this how the night ended up? Do you know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. That, uh, yeah, doesn't that, that's a good enough backstage story. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll take that one for sure. Um, and thank you, uh, James, for sending in your questions and everybody else that's watched uh, throughout this utterly fascinating um, conversation with uh, Mark Haskins. Uh, but before we go, um, if anybody wants to kind of reach out to you, say hi, get to learn more about uh, you, your career, uh, Mark Haskins, uh, give us your social plugs. So where can they find you on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc.? And I've actually got, if you're not sure, I've got a little slide at the bottom there uh so where, where they where can where can they find you mark yeah so you can find me at this is haskins on pretty much every platform yeah. uh this is haskins.com for merch and yeah haskins online wrestling for online wrestling advice absolutely and some pretty sweet merch as well got some pretty cool tees um to go out and uh, search and uh, i think that's uh, this is haskins.com um so there we go but uh, mark it's been an absolute honor and a privilege and a thrill to speak to you um i want to thank you so much for your time and all your awesome stories um but um okay we look forward to seeing you all um ott tnt icw wherever you're performing all around the country and hopefully i get to see you in the person in person and say uh, thank you in the flesh but um uh, thank you so much for your time my friend no thank you very much for having me Yep, it's been great. Thank you.